this is Tony Ruggiero here on the Tour Coach. First of all, I want to thank all of you for listening and supporting the Tour Coach over the past several seasons. It's been a fun ride, and we've got some great stuff going on. Many of you may have seen the launch and the first little pilot episode of Pro Work that we've done in partnership with Bushnell Golf. That's the first in the series. It's been one of my ambitions, one of my kind of like projects and dreams for the past couple years to film an inside, authentic, behind-the-scenes look at how myself and the team of great coaches, teachers, fitness experts, and mental coaches all work together. At first, it was just with tour players, but now I want to show you how we work together. The Colby Tuyes, the Dr. Greg Cartons, the Mark Hackett's, Morgan Hales, Jackson Quartz, Dr. Scott Lenz, Dan Terleski, all of us at Old Palm and at our retreats work together to help golfers of all skill level and for it to be a real authentic, a real behind the scenes look, unedited, where you kind of see some of our discussions and some of the fun that we have. And so to kick this series off, we're starting a contest, okay? And that contest is going to be a, a social media contest for a Dew Sweeper Tour Coach giveaway. It's, we're going to do the drawing the Monday after Augusta. We're going to draw one lucky winner. The winner is going to receive one free trip to come see me and our team at one of our retreats, okay? So you're going to get a free entry to our retreat with a brand new Bushnell Pro XE rangefinder plus three custom fit Cleveland golf wedges and it wouldn't be a, a dew sweeper tour coach giveaway without some vineyard vines dew sweepers gear so here's how you enter a chance to win this fantastic opportunity to travel to come see us for a retreat with a bushnell pro xe rangefinder new cleveland wedges and a vineyard vines dew sweepers gear it's simple all you got to do is go on your social media so go to social media go to instagram and post a screenshot of your favorite tour coach episode okay tag me at the dew sweeper tag at Bushnell Golf, and tag at Cleveland Golf, okay? Hashtag Pro Work, hashtag Tour Coach, okay? I hope you're the lucky winner. If you go to Twitter, it's at Dew Sweeper Golf, at Cleveland Golf, at Bushnell Golf, hashtag Pro Work, hashtag Tour Coach. So wherever you are, whatever social media you use, tag me, Bushnell, Cleveland Golf, and hashtag Pro work, hashtag tour coach for an opportunity to win once again a retreat entry to come see me work with me and my team at one of our famous retreats, plus a brand new Bushnell Pro XE along with custom fit three Cleveland golf wedges for you and your game and some Dew Sweepers Vineyard Vine gear. We're going to do the drawing the Monday after the Masters. Hope all of you enjoy this edition of the tour coach along with some of the upcoming episodes we've got some fantastic guests some fantastic insight behind the scenes but i promise you check out our social media go to bushnell golf on youtube find the first edition of pro work take a listen take a look tell me what you think there's more inside authentic behind the scenes looks at our instruction, our instruction team, and so going to be some plenty of laughs as well, I promise you. So once again, this is Tony Ruggiero. I hope you enjoy listening to the tour coach. Hope you've enjoyed watching Pro Work. Take advantage of this opportunity. Once again, go on Instagram, take a screenshot of your favorite tour coach episode or, or the one you're listening to, and tag me at the Dew Sweeper, at Bushnell Golf, at Cleveland Golf, hashtag Pro Work, hashtag Tour Coach. Hopefully you're the lucky winner. Enjoy this edition of the Tour Coach, and hopefully we'll see you soon on the Lesson Team. 
right, everybody, sitting down with me here on the tour coach uh, while I'm driving back from South Florida is one of the great teachers in the game, somebody I've been trying to get on um, for a pretty good bit. Always tough coordinating schedules, but he's incredibly <laughs> busy. He's a, I mean, he's crazy busy, which I respect the hell out of uh, teaching golfers of all skill levels, plus he's uh, – I mean, he's the guru of training aids out there. What can you say from uh, from Tour Striker Golf, none other than Martin Chuck? What you doing, bud? Hey, Tony. Great to be on the phone with you, pal. I'm good. I'm actually sitting at my desk in my my golf room slash inventor place playing with a fiddling with something I'm going to keep I'm developing. So I'm always thinking of something, man. How the hell did you get into the training aid side? Just from teaching, I'm just standing there with students on the range and going, hmm, how do I make this person understand this quicker? You know, and so there's been there's been training aids in golf for ever. I'm sure some Scotsman took a took a haggis and put a haggis between somebody's forearms so that the person didn't separate their elbows much, and then the person hit it better. And, and he said, don't drop the haggis, that's my dinner, you know what I mean? So... <laughs> So it's something like that is about all. Uh, well, uh, I mean, it, you have tons of tons of great products out. What's your favorite one? Oh man, it's hard. It's like saying what's your favorite kit, you know? Um, yeah, it's funny the the, the smart ball is ridiculous, right? Because it's an inflatable ball on a lanyard. I love that. I love that. Well, thank you. It's it's nuts because it's. It's um, years ago. I'm on the range at the Ravens. So it's probably 11, 12 years ago, and I'm, you know, frustrated with this nice gentleman who keeps dropping the impact ball, which was that the foam one with the divots in the side. Right. You know. Yeah, and I I'm use that all the time. It's yours. Of yeah. course, every every teacher yeah. had one of those, and I still do. I still have it. It's great. You know, and just out of frustration, I'm thinking, man, how could I make this better? Well, lighter, and then something that had a necklace and there's been iterations of it, but you know, it's just fun. It's that I like the smart ball only because you can inflate it or you can, you know, take some air out of it or you can wear it as a pancake under an armpit, you know? So uh-huh. it's, uh, it's got a, it's got a lot of versatility to it. And any newbie that can hit a pitch shot, not separate their arms is going to be, be is going to, you know, you know what it is. It's like, they don't even realize that if they can move their arms and not separate their elbows in a small little motion, other things get better. It cleans up body motion, you know, cleans right. up how they extend and rotate. And they don't even realize it. And so when I show them a picture, like, they'll struggle for the first few. And I, and I didn't intend it for people to hit driver with it. You know, next thing you know, like, whippersnappers are hitting driver with it. I'm like, whoa, okay, that's way beyond my physicality. But, you know, the intent yeah. was just for connection on shorter shots and just the awareness. And then the thing took off, you know. I mean, it was one of those things where it just we just – sell the hell out of that thing all the time, even with the knockoffs out there, which is, you know, you know, thank Amazon for that. But, you know, it's like yeah. Amazon sells everything, including a bunch of stuff that they shouldn't be allowed to sell, but that's neither here nor there. But um, it's probably a uh, topic it for another podcast. Oh, man, <laughs> you know it. Yep. Well, I, the thing I like about it is, uh, I, I, obviously, I teach a lot of pivot, but and I, and I like, I like, using things that will fix and clear up a lot of things without people having to think about them by fixing, like, the one main thing. 
you know. Sure. And uh, that's what I like about like what you just said and about the smart ball and all that. Like you know, you, especially for recreational golfers, beginners, uh, younger kids, like you can put that in there. And, you know, you can get them doing a lot of really good things without them having to think about it, which I think when you're teaching golf, and especially when you're learning golf, is is a huge bonus. Yeah, no, absolutely. I try to say the least amount of words I can when I, when I give a lesson. Um, you know, I like telling stories because stories are memorable. And so if I can get somebody to remember a story, and that story has a connection to something that helped them develop a, a swing thought, then that connection to me is, me- is it's a memorable thing, right? And then that, right. then then they're like, oh, okay, you know, because you know, everybody's big in video nowadays, so, you know, everybody, every student gets a bunch of video that they can consume whenever they want and look over their lessons and stuff, but those moments where somebody laughs about some silly story or recollects something that might link to some person of interest for them, whether it's a tour player or somebody from the, you know, that's not with us anymore from the past or whatever. Those, those kind of things are, those are sticky. And that, that is what um, people enjoy those kind of memories, you know, and I'll tell you another freaky thing that you may, I don't know if you, you know, Mark Evershed, have you ever met Mark over the years? I've not met him, but I know, I know know who he is for sure. Yeah. So Mark, you know, was just one of those genius coaches happened to be from Southern Ontario and one time, you know, when George Newton passed away years ago, you know, I'm kind of like, man, I don't have a coach. And um, I went back to Toronto, and a buddy of mine goes, well, go see this guy. He's, you know, he's got a lot of insights. So you can have a chat with him. So I did. But I'm, during the lesson, like, I remember vividly, like, him grabbing my hand and, like, squeezing it to the point of mild, being mildly uncomfortable. And then I'm like, and it was kind of taken aback for a second. It didn't hurt. It was just kind of weird, right? And he goes, right. And he, he goes, you'll always remember that. I'm like, excuse me? He goes, you'll remember that forever. I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, that is awkward, right? I go, yeah, that's awkward. He goes, you'll remember that, and you'll remember this lesson. And I went, wow, you're right. And I still do. Now, maybe because, you, know, you know, I'm, you know, I'll tell people, I say, like, when I got them maybe at the P3 or whatever, you know, somewhere in their backswing and I'll grab their forearm kind of funky and give it a, like a squeeze, you know, and they'll be like, I go, feel that? And they'll be like, yep. I go, that's nothing but an anchor for you. And they'll say, what do you mean? I go, this is what my coach used to do to me. So I'm anchoring this feel for you so that you go, oh, okay, that's where Martin's kind of getting me in this sort right. of area that might have more success if I can kind of link back to this because, you know, ultimately we got to train the brain, the brain moves the body and you know, this quote, muscle memory is just, you know, the, our system kind of understanding it and making it cleaner so we can do things faster and easier and more efficient, right? So right. that's where, uh, that's, that's, anyway, that's my, my nutty way of helping people try to remember and develop fields. So that's what I do. No, I, that, that's, you know, I, I love that. I mean, I think that, you know, I I try to, I'm always asking a player, like, you know, when they're doing, when we're working on something, what's that feel like to you, right? I just sure. always feel yeah. like if they can capture the feel, and, and I'm, I mm-hmm. like to get them, like, when they, when they have one of those light bulb moments, you know, where they're like, oh, shit, like, that was different, that was good. Like, why don't you go write yeah. that feel down? Because there's a good chance we'll both forget it, you know, yeah. uh, here somewhere. So, you know, I love teaching, you know, by feels or, or having them capture what it feels like to them. Um Let's start back at the beginning with you. How did you? How did 
mean, where did you start in this teaching business? How did you become, you know, the guy who's the top 50, top 100 teacher, everybody knows, got lots of videos? I mean, where did you start and how did you get to where we are today? So, George Newton, for the listeners that don't know who he was, you know, prior to Mike Weir, he was probably Canada's best golfer. Well, he was. He won eight times on tour and he was always regarded as a great striker. And um, he started a junior golf academy, which I was lucky enough to be a part of. And he's always a great dude, and, and, and I love that. So then he he broke away from this golf course that he was kind of doing his thing at, a great course north of Toronto called the National. And he started his own driving range, which was just north of the city in Buttonville, Ontario. And he asked that some of the juniors that he taught, he said, hey, guys, if any of you need a part-time job and you want to be a part of my little training center, love to have you a couple of days a week, et cetera, whenever it makes sense. So I was like, yeah, this is fantastic. Great driving range. It was, it was beside a golf course. We could knock it around on if we wanted to. So they had like, he had like a double whitey. So like beers and hot dogs and popcorn, you know, range, range balls. But the range ball, you had to be a member of this range. So you had to pay like 300 bucks and then you could use the range. It wasn't like just anybody could drive in there. So you had to pay it first. You had to go through one of George's like little intro to golf kind of training basic things. And then we were the supplemental coaching piece. So if you were like Tony, you got the membership and you came in and you did George's like introductory thing, great. Now you get to go pay, I think there was like six, seven bucks for a thing of balls. But there, it, that was expensive back then, but it was a great grass range with targets and it was ahead of its time. So then once we were done do, with our duties in the double wide, like if you didn't want a burger or beer and we were quiet, there's always two of us, one of us would walk the range and go, hey, how's it going? Any, need any help or do you have any questions? So this is when I was 16. So I'd walk the range and I'd see funky left hands that I'd fix or I'd see, you know, awkward alignments with hips and shoulders that I'd suggest, hey, let's square this up. Let's, you know, different, different. So George kind of said, hey, if you see this, say that. If you, you know, are looking at the face and the the top, the toes hanging way down and they're hitting slices, here's some obvious things. You know what I mean? So as a 16-year-old, I love that. I'd walk the range demo a little bit because naturally it was a show off like most pretty good golfers are you know you're not afraid to hit shots in front of people in fact you relish it and so you know i i, I learned kind of how to address somebody hey how are you how's it going Do you have any questions oh let me have a look okay this is what i see now back then we didn't have any way to you know take a video of it or anything it was you know night this was 1985 you know, and so there were some VHS machines, but it wasn't like you were taking a picture of somebody and showing them right away. In fact, the only thing in at the range, he had a place for cover, and in the place for cover, he had some basic positions he wanted people to be aware of, a finishing form, a starting form, and, and stuff between that, not really much, Tone. And then, really? you know, he would, oh, yeah, he had a mirror. So he wanted people to kind of rotate into this, Kind of knees were kissing, right, right, you know, we call it one, two, gum on my shoe, balls in the air, enjoy the view. So the right foot was kind of, you know, up on the toe, um, you know, knees together, kind of looking at yourself in the mirror at comfortable full height, maybe a bit of right side bend. And that was, that was where he thought, you know, if every, every shot had a, uh, had a starting form and a finishing form and you knew where you were going, pretty, he, he said, there's a pretty good chance stuff between those connections would be good. And so I still teach that way today. I mean, starting form and finishing form. Not to say you can't rip a driver and finish out of balance. You can. But, you you know, you got to know what that feels like. And you got to know that, you know, starting form, finishing form for a, like a little pitch shot that goes 60 yards might be some kind of a 
soft nine to three event or arms. You know, you know what I'm talking about. But yeah. I oh, try yeah. to get the try to get the golfer not to think about just ball, 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 ball. Ultimately, the ball gets hit or collected or gathered up. But it's always that it's always in the intense starting form, some kind of acquired energy to a finishing form, and then you know that was his big thing, finishing form. And I and I I expand on that even today. I call it holstering. Like every time. Like somebody hits a hits a shot, they're gonna they run out of energy. Okay, they're they're gonna absorb this energy. They're gonna calm themselves. They're at the clubs in their hands, and then I want them to kind of let the club slide down their hands to their club head, you know, like a club twirl, like you yeah, yeah. do, and then put it in their holster, like their left pocket for the right-handed golfer. And you'd be amazed. Well, you wouldn't be amazed, but for the listeners, listeners would be amazed at how hard it is to holster a golf club. Like, literally, make a swing, let it exhaust itself around you, rebound in front of you, shot still sort of in the air, and then calmly let it, you know, do a little club twirl, let that thing kind of holster into your left hip pocket. I mean, it, it's when you see newbies try to do that, you almost have to run for the Band-Aids because somebody's going to ding themselves. I mean, it's it's shocking. So, yeah, I'm serious, you know? No, it's You know? Uh, the other funny thing is I tell the students, too, I say, you know, there's not a swarm of bees around you, you know, because they'll they'll make a swing and they'll hold on to the club, and the club will come right back in front of them, you know, like tomahawk chop back down to the ball. And I'm like, hey, and I say, hey, I'm kind of here. With, I'm here in this space with you. Like, let's be careful. Let's let this thing go around you, rebound in front of you while you're still looking at the target, and then let's let this club kind of glide down your hands nicely so it's come out of your grip. I want you to regrip it every time you hit a shot, you know. And so then they kind of—it's shocking. Like if you just watch my golf school, you—you you, you need to come to Phoenix one day and, and just hang out for a laugh. And you, you because you'd you'd laugh because as coaches we can't help it. We just—I'm entertained by my clients and I entertain my clients, you know. So. Yeah. Well, I, I love the you know I, I love that stuff about like you know I, I like us. I came up under. You know, an old teacher, Hank Johnson, and, mm-hmm. you know, worked for him for 10 years. And a lot of the stuff, the holster in the club, like all of that, like he, you know, when, and when I was learning to teach under him and I was a range attendant or introduction, you know, everything was about, like, you know, get somebody, he used to tell me if I could get people set up correctly and I could get them to hold their finish and make a divot in front of the ball, he goes, you'll make a living. Yeah. You know? No. And, uh, and, and he was right. He, and, and as things had, you know, went along and people were hit, try, everybody was trying to hit it further, you know, he always stressed balance at the finish and structure at the finish. And, you know, I still talk a lot about that. I think that, like, the speed can come if you learn to do things the right way. But, like, it, you know, you don't see lots of people learning the game, focusing on, you know, a balanced finish, holding the finish for a second holster in the club, as you called it, you know, those types of things. Those, a little bit of, I mean, don't you think that's a little bit of a lost art in what we're doing nowadays? Oh, for sure, for sure. I mean, I mean, if they come see me, they're going to learn how to do that. I mean, I'm still going to try to get a kid to swing at 130 eventually, but, I mean, I'm still going to teach that kid how to let the thing exhaust itself around him and then rebound a little bit. Now, if his left foot happens to step out of where it started and it lands a different place, like a lot of kids do nowadays, they can. Yeah. They still have a finishing form, right? And they're still keenly aware right. of it. Like I don't want them to fall on their ass, and I don't want their finishing form to feel different 
you know, from swing to swing to swing with a driver. I mean, I want it to feel like it's like the same kind of event, even if they are like somebody who steps out of it or, um, you know, we're, you know, George Knudsen was such a freak about finishing form. I think it was mildly detrimental now that I look back at it because it was a different game, you know, so I'm 54 and, and golf courses were short and there was only two par fours that were 430 or 440 and they were monsters, man. Oh my God. You had to hit wood into those things. Right. And nowadays those are, you're, I'm like, I'm at even at 54, I can still sort of knock it out there pretty good and hit some short iron into a 440 yard par four. It's crazy. Right. When I was a kid, it used to be a monster. <laughs> right. Now par fours have to be 500 yards to even make to challenge these guys now. It's like stupid. You know, right. it's, um, and you see, like, I don't, I'm like, pretty much nobody. I get the odd guy sends me a video looking for some insights. Perfect. I'll send a video back. Hey, you look great. Blah, blah, blah. Here's what I see. Thanks. Take care. You know, I mean, my client, I joke, my client has time and money. They're usually older. They pay for their lessons. They show up. My, they come to my camp. They, you know what I mean? I'm not. I'm not chewing my fingernails off hoping some guy makes the cut anymore. And and it's like and and so I don't see the speed you see. Like I'm seeing dudes that are, you know, forty to seventy five years old that just want to break eighty or break ninety for the first time. And and, and you know, I get a kick out of that. I really do. Like I enjoy I enjoy like you you get your tour player guys, like you get massive satisfaction when somebody has you know, can control themselves and the heat of it. And they can perform, and that's fantastic. Okay, I, I did this. I get the same buzz. It just might be for the Sea Flight Championship at the Country Club, you know. Right. It's, no, no. And, and so, you know, you know, like I, I've obviously traveled a bunch, taught a bunch of guys to play for a living, but I still really enjoy. Like this past weekend, I mean, I had, you know, I had some juniors that were aspiring, but then I mm-hmm. had, you know, four or five guys that were you know i mean let's face it they were there wasn't anybody that was a single digit player right Mm -hmm. a couple of Mm -hmm. them were big slicers and stuff like that and like i you know i always say like i don't want to get where i'm only teaching like great players because to me it's still really fun but it's just less stress in a way you know like you can cut up with them you can you know have some and, and it's rewarding like it's I mean, well, you know, you've been around and talked to them, but like, it isn't always that rewarding because, like, I mean, they're not always that happy. No. <laughs> you know, no, but I'll, no matter, I'll tell you they what. might finish fifth and still be pissed. Yeah, and here's something's interesting, though. Like, I find, I used to look, when I, I look at, like, you know, the Godfather, like a guy like, you know, like the Godfathers. I mean, you look at a Butch or Jimmy right. McLean or Ledbetter or Hank or the, or, these, you know, legends of coaching, and as they get older, they they take less shit, and they tell it like it is, so much more, right? So I joke now because I was a club pro for 16 years after my cup of coffee playing professionally. I mean, you know, I wasn't very good. I was, I mean, decent enough to give it a shot, but I mean, then I was a club pro, and my job as a club pro was to be very nice to people every single day. And I was good at being very nice to people every single day. Hey, Mr. Gold, good to see you, sir. Mr. Gold, how was your round today? Mr. Gold, you're back today. Oh, Mr. Gold. So it was my job to be nice to Mr. Gold five times a day, okay, which was fine. 
you know, and then and then I had to kind of patronize him on the on the lesson tee, Mr. Gold. You know, oh, you'll you'll be fine, sir. You know, well now at my golf camp, I don't patronize anybody. I'm like, here's here's where you're not very good, and that rep was not a mindful rep. You could do better. Let's go. And I joke with him. I go, I'm not a club pro. I'm not here to be nice to you. I'm here to tell you how it is, tell you what's wrong, show you how you can fix it, and then guess what? you got to do a little work, and this is how you do systematic work. And if you do systematic work, you'll get better. Shocking, right? And so with the tour players, like, I'm, I'm old now. I'm 54. Some 27-year-old guy gives me a, some crap. I could, by the way, I played hockey for a long time. I could give a crap about that guy. You know what? I've got underwear older than him. So it's like, buddy, you're not, yeah, you're a really talented kid. Don't, don't think you're, I mean, I get it. Golf is hard. You're going to have your days. You're going to get more than you deserve some days and less than you deserve some days and get used to it. And the more you're used to it and you stick to your plan, you're going to get more than you deserve. But if you're boohooing yourself and you're pissed at everything, Guess what? You're going to get less than you deserve. Well, you're going to get exactly what you deserve, which is right. you know to be in your own head and not and not get positive outcomes. You know, for sure, for sure. And I and I also think that you know I think to be a great player, I think by nature, whether some are better at showing it than some are better at hiding it than others, but they've got to be self-centered by nature. Oh, I agree. You know, I mean, and and I mean, you know, there's some that are just great guys and like whatever, but still when it comes down to it, to be really successful at that side of the game, don't you think they have to be, there has to be some self-centeredness to them to survive? I do. You know, it's, it's um, you know, it is amazing some of the good guys out there and the fact they can be as good as they are, but yeah, I had a, I had a guy literally tell me one time, when I I took it, I took my first head pro job when I was 26. So I played the Canadian Tour for a few years, and this guy worked for me. Uh, well, he didn't work for me. He accidentally worked for me. It's kind of a funny story. So I was at a club in Palm Desert. Had no desire to be the head pro director of golf at this place, and my game was you know barely making cuts, making the odd cut of the Canadian Tour. I played in some nationwide events and whatever. I mean that's decent golf, but I wasn't any, I wasn't really any good by any good standards. And this guy goes to me, so I get this job, and I was like, had no, I didn't even want the job. There's like three or four guys ahead of me at this club. I was just there for just to have playing privileges while I was getting ready to go play the Canadian Tour again. And this developer guy asked me if I want the job, and I'm like stunned. He goes, you got 24 hours to let me know, because there was a big shuffle going on at the club with the management team, blah, blah, blah. So I tell him the next day, I call kind of my mentors, and they're like, you're not very good. Take the job. I'm like, okay, thank you for the honesty. I will take the job. Anyway, I show up, and I'm and now I'm the new boss at this place. Well, I'm 26. These guys are 30 somethings, and the guy says to me, he goes, no, I can't work for you. He goes, it's going to drive me nuts. I, I appreciate the honesty. He's going to go find something else to do. He goes to me. He goes, you know what? You're not. A, he goes, you're a pretty good golfer. He goes, you know what? You're not a really good golfer. I go, why is that? He goes, you're too nice. And I'm like, huh. Okay, well that's interesting, but whatever. And I got to thinking about that, and it's funny you say that. And it's not that you have to be an asshole to play high-level golf. You really don't. But you do have to no. know what the most important thing at that moment is. And you do have to – I'll tell you something George Knudsen told me when I was a teenager. He told me 
you know, when you do find somebody that you're going to spend some your life with or you're going to get married to, whatever, you, you say, you make sure you let them know when the sun is up that you are busy. So that's what he told me. You make sure you let them know when the sun's up you're busy. So I got married at 25 and I got divorced at 30. But before I got married at 25, I told my wife, when the sun's up, I am busy. And she was like, okay. Well, a few years into that, she was not okay with that. And now my current wife has beat me into submission, so now everything's pretty much good to go. But um, it's, uh, yeah, no, I, I, I hear you, man. I hear you. You do have to be very much your own best advocate. And if you're not your own yep. best advocate, you've got to be somehow a magical team. Of I, I tell you what, you know, you, my wife, Stacy is my biggest advocate, and I would not be where I am without her because she's the one who, like, you know, is like the raw, raw, you can do this, let's go, and, you know, and right. she's, she's the one, right, who took me from, you know, club pro guy who was just having some fun doing my club pro, which was fine, and, you know, taught a lot, played a lot, had a good time, made a reasonable living as a club pro where most don't, and then the tour striker stuff has been, you know, a massive blessing, but it wouldn't be that way unless it was for her, you know, her support, and then not only that, her hard work, so I always right. throw her name in because that's it's a team with us. No, I, I totally I understand, and I'm on wife number four, but this one's been around a long time now, so she gets it, and she's my biggest fan. And let's talk about like how did you transition from what was the moment where you went from club pro guy, good player, making a good living to hey, I'm gonna be one of the best teachers in the world, and I've got you know I'm gonna do these training aids, and I'm gonna do these tour striker schools. How'd you how'd you get there? So that you know that I was. Love to teach, always love to teach, and there, you know I was passionate about it. And I like I literally get fired up every day to go to work. I really do. I I still love it. I don't care if you shoot 120 or you're a really good player. Anyway, I come home one day after this thought, and I go, Hey babe, I have this idea. This is kind of cool. And she, I'm always tinkering. She knew I was always tinkering with stuff anyway. And I showed her, and she's like, Man, that's a good idea. I go, and I even tried it on a couple dudes at the club, and they had some pretty neat, interesting. It changed their intent. And that's a big thing for me, if I can change somebody's intent. And so she goes, let's do it. And so, you know, we went down the road. I had a few breaks with uh, some of my connections. Tom Wishon, who I never met, was a, a, a big luck, fluky thing for me because he put me in, char- in in connection with a club designer who knew a guy in China who could make, you know, because nobody makes club heads in the U.S. back, back in those days. Right. So anyway, we had some luck in there. And then once we started selling these things, you know, it sort of replaced, the income of spending, you know, 50, 60 hours at the club every week. So she's like, well, why don't you just teach somewhere? Why don't you just start a golf school somewhere? But, I, you know, I the big, big break, honestly, um, besides my wife, was Revolution Golf. Because okay. Justin Tupper, you know, he, he had this platform, him and a guy named Dean Strickler, and they were looking for other ways, other some coaches that could get in front of a camera and express themselves and some stuff to sell and so here I am. I was prepared for that lucky break because I had something to sell, tour striker training clubs, and I had a couple other things right behind it coming out, like the smart ball and the educator, that coat hanger gizmo. And next thing you know, I'm on this platform that's pumped out to like, you know, he's getting hundreds and thousands of people signing up every day for his email list. So now it's like Jim McLean and Martin Chuck and who else was on there at the time? Um, Man, uh, Martin Hall came on, Sean Foley was on, yep. 
so this this basic nobody, you know, like yeah, I taught a lot of guys, but I'm a nobody compared to those guys. But now I'm on there, and they're enjoying my content, and they're enjoying the way I'm expressing myself. And next thing you know, you know, the people are gobbling it up, and I was like, wow, okay, cool. So that like that was a huge break for me because once I knew I was on that platform, I knew that golf schools would be a fairly easy sell. Oh, yeah. You see my point? Because I, I, I'm just, I'm now becoming sort of a household name to the people that want to go to golf schools. The people right. that are like 35 years old to 75 years old that want to get out of the cold weather and hit a few balls for a few days and get tuned up a bit. And so that's been it, man. Like I've been doing that ever since. Like every week we have a camp and the camp is a, you know, it's a merry band of knuckleheads from wherever. You know, there's men, women, they're 60, they're 40, they're 70. I had a 90-year-old dude come to a camp a few years ago. 90. And the guy could swing at 90 miles an hour. It was the most amazing really? thing you've ever seen. Yeah. I heel spin one off the off the fourth tee box, okay? He toe draws one out there. We get out there, Tone, no lie, he is literally one yard ahead of me. A 90-year-old, no yeah, I swear to God, he hit the perfect little toe draw, I hit a spinny healer. We're both in the fairway. He's one yard ahead of me. I'm looking at these two balls. He's looking at me. He couldn't have been more proud, dude. Like he oh, like, was God. probably a 245 ball or, you know, obviously not my best. And it was great for him. Or maybe it was 250. I don't know. But it was like he hit it out there, you know. And this guy, a 90-year-old guy could swing 90 miles an hour. Like that's got to be in the Guinness. Or there's, or maybe maybe uh, like Gary Player probably does that too. But that that's how rare that is. Yeah, crazy, crazy. Yeah. That's, a, that's what a, what a good story though about how you found, you know you kind of found your niche and continued to grow as a teacher and continue. I mean, you know, everybody's got your training aids, teachers, players. I mean, I can't tell you how many, you know, how many folks come in and walk into a bay I'm at and they unload the shit out of their bag and you know there's a <laughs> there's there's one of the balls. You know, there's a tourist yeah. thing. You know, I mean, it is, right? You know? Yeah. And, and oh, no, I'm, I'm a, beyond blessed. Dude. Super well, lucky. Oh, yeah. Super lucky. All right, so we got a couple minutes left here. So give us some advice from all the recreational golfers. You see some things that, like, you know, hey, these are some of the things from all the recreational golfers I see that, you know what, if if they focused on these couple things, like, they'd, be, they'd get better. Like, you know, like a guy that shoots 80 oh, yeah. wants to shoot in the 70s, or a guy that shoots 90 wants to shoot in the 80s. Like, what are some commonalities that you see there that would help those folks? Okay, so I'm going I'm to talk a little bit of techniques. I'm going to talk some common sense. Yep. Okay, so the common sense piece, please learn how to just pitch a golf ball 30, 40, 50 yards. Okay, yep. my mother my mother can do it. She's she's 89, all right? So just pitch. learn how to pitch a golf ball. Go spend time hitting lag putts, 30-footers, 40-footers, 50-footers, and then hit some five-footers. All that stuff in between, it's all lag putting, you know. So, like, you got, it's golf is where the ball stops. Do you know where it's going to stop before you hit it? Okay, most people have no idea where it's going to stop, and even from 20 feet, they have no idea where it's going to stop. So just spend some time around the green. Everybody wants to smash, and I get it. I coach people on how to strike it better. That's fine, but pitch the ball better. Get it on the green, two-putt, move on. You'll be a better golfer. It's stupid simple, right? Now, here's my yep. pet peeve. If I had a time machine, I swear, Tone, I know people think I'm nuts, I'd go back and I would absolutely just blow up the interlocking grip. 
because I can't tell you really? how many adults, yep, I'll tell you why, because not the ones you teach how to do it correctly, but I'm telling you, I'm going to say probably nine out of ten of the golfers I see, the thousands of them, they have an interlock that's too deep in their right hand, and they're fumbling around with this thing, and this is, and they just can't really get the club in a place that makes it easy for them to really swing the weight of it at speed and with control. They feel, the mistake is, they feel that the connection webbing to webbing of index and pinky is some sense of correctness. When if you look at a great interlocker like Tiger or Jack, you know, now you've got the, the interlock is basically just the means to take the pressure of the lead hand index finger off the grip is all. It's not a sense of locking in hands as a form of correctness when the grip I'd rather teach it I'd much rather teach it to start maybe ten finger or overlap, how to have the hands kind of unified to a degree and not this locked in interlock where the right thumb doesn't know where to go and they can't really get this thing in their hands. And anyway that's that's the mess that I deal with for my campers that are, you know, middle aged people that have a terrible grip. They have, and they've been playing four years. And no coach, you coaches that are listening to this, be the asshole that gives these people a wonderful grip. Don't let it slide. Get their hands on nicely so that they can feel the weight of this thing so it can do the magic of shallowing and, and, and swing out speed. And You know what I'm saying, man? It's just a oh, bad yeah, grip. Yeah. Like, it's not that hard to do it right. So do it right. I always I tell folks all the time. You know, I, when I when I first went to the Country Club of Mobile, where I was for a good while, it was the, one of the easiest jobs to teach because the there was a legendary old professional Woody Woodall had been there forever. He was a great player. He played at Auburn, all that stuff. But he was old school, and every kid there that he taught had a perfect grip. That's all he did. Oh, I bet he had a bunch of really good players come out of there then. Great players. Like, you know, so I remember when I got the call and, you know, kid was going into high school, Bobby Wyatt, who I taught through high school, college, and some of his pro. Like, I mean, like, it was super easy. Like, these kids had perfect grips and great yeah. club faces. It was like, man, it was so easy to teach. But, but like, yeah. what you just said, it would be like, man, like, but, but, like, I watch all this stuff on social media and I watch all these folks coming up and, and I know this makes me sound old and cantankerous, but, like, they're working on all this crazy stuff, right? Like, in these yeah. videos, and then when you look at the guy in a dress, he's got a shitty grip. Oh, I know. I mean, like, not you know, you it's not that it can't work. It can. But how about this? Right. How about all the other little cute shots around the green, like all the little mild manipulations you need with a lob wedge or a sand wedge to flip it over a bunker to hit these hooky pitches or spinners or whatever? So much easier when your hands go on nicely. So much harder when you got a bastardized grip that might be fine for mashing a driver, you know, which is right. obviously the you know huge the biggest component of a successful golfer is smashing it in play. But I mean, you know, the rest of it. So if you've got the opportunity to build a good grip with somebody that's learning how to play golf, build it. Yeah, you know, I, I see all these things like, you know, you'll see these. Uh, picking on the internet here and like you know put the picture well you know like so and so's got a crazy strong grip and he's great so there's more but like any good teacher yourself any you know people we 
you mentioned, like if you had a guy come to you that's already really good and he's got a real strong grip for a week, whatever, wouldn't mm-hmm. change it. Right. No, but we're talking no. about people that come to us that are at the beginning of the development cycle. Like, why wouldn't you just go, or, they're, or they've been playing a long time and they're not any good. Why wouldn't right. you go ahead and change the grip? Oh, no, no, no. I always joke. I say, change the grip and lose a friend. I go, well, let's let's get into the fight right now. I go, no problem. <laughs> I tell people right away, I say, you're not going to like this, and I frankly don't care because I'm not your club pro. I'm going to make you better, and you're going to suffer with me for three days in a camp. You're going to suffer. I'm going to suffer. We're going to suffer together. But I'm telling you what, I want to be able to take a picture of those hands when we're done and put it on your Christmas card, and you send it out. Don't send your dog. Don't send your family. You send out your these hands, beautiful hands, as your Christmas card. That's what I want you to do for me. That's such a good touch. Truth. That's awesome. Oh my God, Mark! Hey, thanks so much for. And this flew by. Thank you for one taking the time to to make time to sit down with me. Two, uh, I got to listen to you at the Top Hundred uh, Summit out there in Phoenix. It was great to listen to you and your story. And, and third, thanks for all the all the products that you tinker with and put out there with for folks like us. And uh, hopefully, we get to do this again. And I'd love the opportunity to come hang out in Phoenix sometime. And, hang out and watch you at one of your schools. Anytime, brother. Anytime. Love to have you. We'll have a blast. Alright, we'll take care. Look forward. We'll do this again soon. Sounds good, Tom. I hope you enjoyed this edition of The Tour Coach and this conversation that we brought to you about playing, learning, and teaching the game of golf. We'll be back next week with another edition of The Tour Coach. In between now and next week, make sure you follow us on our social channels. You can always find me at the Dew Sweeper on Instagram or go to our YouTube page where you'll see a scene and a video from my teachings daily on our YouTube channel. You can find that by looking up Tony Ruggiero and the Dew Sweepers on YouTube. Until then, make sure you follow and check out everything Tour Coach and all our sponsors, Shrikshon Cleveland Golf, Bushnell, Vineyard Vines, and Buick GMC. I'll be back next week to help all of us appreciate, learn, and enjoy the game of golf.